Would you please turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 2. I know we have a lot of parents and grandparents, and let me just please suggest to you, at very young age, make sure you include Jesus, the baby Jesus, in your in your your Christmas morning. We had those little mud figures, and in uh, the nativity scene, and our sweet little children. They had to act it out for us after they, they learned it from us so well. And it was so enjoyable to hear them using their little voices, changing their voices. And it meant so much to them that way and to us as well. I just encourage you, making sure you have the Christmas story, nativity scenes, and give a gift to baby Jesus' birthday. Just encourage you to do that. How much room do we give Jesus Christ? Lord, give me grace and wisdom and give me your power, Lord. Please help us to get your help this morning in our lives to reflect on what you, what you brought us, Lord, that day. Peace and goodwill. In Jesus' name, amen. I point out to you the peace. He gives us the ability to have peace with God and with others. But we have to choose it. You can't have peace. If you haven't forgiven others, you won't have peace. And uh, that's a different message altogether. Luke chapter 2 verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Caesar's real name, by the way, was Octavius Augustus. He was called the Honorable One. And the month of August was named after him. But he wasn't so honorable. He was a murderer uh, many times over. Verse 3. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city, and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be taxed with Mary, his wife. And again, just to remind you, 80 miles the trip was. Full pregnancy last trimester and Mary walked 80 miles to Bethlehem very hard difficult things can be ordered by God for our ultimate good and there's Mary and it was ordered of God that she have a very difficult time and I know some of you for some of you it's been a very difficult year and for some of us, it's going to be difficult next year. But God doesn't. God, God can order bad times, hard times for us. Very hard, difficult times. We learn three things from the trip. 
We learned, one, that it was very hard. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We learned that God uses worldly powers, ungodly, evil powers, to accomplish his will. In this case, Caesar Augustus, God used his decree. What else could get Mary and Joseph from up north to walk down 80 miles to Bethlehem? God used worldly powers. And three, we learn from that trip that bad things do happen to good people, but for their ultimate good. Again, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And that's something we need to remember. I don't think all things work, work together for me. What was, what was the specific requirement for them that love God? To them who are the called according to his purpose. Being submissive to his will and his calling. We know that bad things happen to good people. Again, verse 6 now in our text. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. I want you to point it. Uh, I want to point out to you that some things take time. Some of God's plans take time, such as nine months. It took nine months for this to happen. It took two weeks probably for her to get to, from from. Nazareth to Bethlehem. Some things take times. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we see a verse. For I know the plans that I think toward you, says the Lord. I have plans of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Jeremiah ministered at a time when Israel, for, on the whole, had rebelled against God. They were worshiping other gods. They were going to the mountain peaks and uh, they were worshiping Baal. This was Israel. And Jeremiah says, I know I have plans for you. So what did he do? He had an invading army come in. And they captured, they captured all of Israel and took them back to Babylon. I know I have the plans for you. Plans of peace. Seventy years later, after being in captivity and slavery, they were freed to go back home. An example is Joseph, Old Testament Joseph. Most of you know his story. He uh, was the 11th son, and he, uh, was, he was a very good, godly man, maybe the godliest of all the 12 sons of Jacob. And he was sold into slavery. At this point, you want to say, I don't want to be God's favorite. Look at the hard times you have to go through if you're one of God's favorite. Joseph, sold into slavery at 17 years old, put in prison at the age of 28 years old, and was prime minister of Egypt 
at the age of 30. He took the shortcut way. There was no other way for him to become prime minister but through time and effort and sacrificing, self-sacrificing. He had it so hard those first years of his life, 13 years of his life. From 17 to the age of 30, he was basically a slave or a prisoner. Some of God's plans take time. There was no other way to save the whole country of Israel than to get one of God's people to become the prime minister. Remember, some of God's plans take time. But be patient. Be patient with your circumstances. God isn't finished with you yet. We, you, there used to be a song for, for our children. Please be patient with me. I'm, God's not finished with me yet. But we're all his children. And God has a plan for our lives. We have to be submissive to it. But part of that is to be submissive to his will and his plan. God... God uh, loves us and he's not finished with you yet. And even your evil, hard circumstances, be patient. And by the way, this isn't all there is. For those of us who live, uh, who live our lives and take what, what comes our way, we, we, we remember that this isn't all there is. There's a future in heaven and eternity. If we submit to his, his will. Verse 6, if you're with me. Verse 6 again. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she, Mary, should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, that means rags, laid him in a manger, that means a food trough, because there was no room in the inn. I spent an unusual amount of time studying this in thing that there's no room, and it would be, it would be like a large house this size, maybe with multi levels, and it, it would have just a common area that you could come in, pay a couple bucks, and lay down on the floor, and if you were lucky, in front of the fireplace, and it was it was just. It, it was just a mass, mass amount of people all trying to get closer to the fireplace. And, that, and if you had the extra money, you might, get a, you might get one of the rooms. There was no room. It was taxing season. The place was completely full of people and there was no room for Jesus to be born there. Now, I always wondered, if when they knocked on the door and the guy opened up the peak hole and looked through, if they would have had trumpets, they would have had princes and princesses and queens and crowns, would he then have made room? But because this was just a lowly couple, a poor couple, full pregnant, probably going to give birth soon with a lot of yelling maybe, he said no. I think years ago I told you a story about a nativity scene worked out in a small church. And little Billy, he got the part of the innkeeper. 
All he had to do was say, there's no room here in the inn. No room. And Joseph was allowed to feel the part and to come up with reasons. why. But my wife's, my wife's going to have a baby, but this, but this, but this. And little Billy started crying. And he said, well, 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 you can have my room. True story really happened. A little eight-year-old gave up his room for the baby Jesus to be born. Sweet. I always wondered whatever happened to baby Billy, young Billy. There was no room for them in the inn. Many of us are like that. We have no room for Jesus in our busy, selfish lives. And I, and I just want to stress this too. Many people don't have room for Jesus on Christmas. They have commercialized it. It's what you get. I fully expect, after watching so many commercials about it, to walk out Christmas morning and find a big new car with a bow on it. Don't you expect that? Don't you? You see those commercials all the time? What a wonderful thing. But, but, there was no room in the inn. No room in people's lives. No room for Jesus on his birthday. Again, parents, we always, we always had a present that each of our children gave to baby Jesus. Sweet. There was no room for them in the inn. It was too crowded. And I point out to you, don't, don't have your lives be too crowded for the Savior of the world, for the Creator of the world and the universe, for the King of heaven and will be King on earth. Don't be too crowded. From this, I, I see that there are three types of people. The first kind of person is the room that, the, those that are no roomers. When hearts and lives are too crowded to make room for Jesus, they are no roomers. If you could just picture your heart as being a house with many different uh, rooms, that occupy your lives. Some people, their rooms are so full, and some of it is just even healthy distraction. But there's so many things going on in their lives, they don't have room. Too many people, too many things, too many activities. Take time for Jesus. I said there are three times, three types. There are those that are too crowded. The second is there are some who, they have some room. So I called them the some rumors. When Jesus is invited into your heart, but you only give him a corner of your house, of your life, you only give him a closet, or in this case, a stable in your heart. He's just a tolerated guest to be brought out whenever you need him. 
Whenever there's a sickness, a death, an ER, a doctor appointment, a bad test, there are those probably more than not that, that simply tolerate him until they need him. And then they bring him up as, as someone who's on their command. He's not on your command. He's not to jump and say, how high do you want me to jump? It's the other way around. I had a conversation a couple years back with a guy I was trying to lead to Christ. His, his, his life was very lukewarm, very lukewarm Christian. He only came to church on, on Christmas and Easter. And I had a conversation with him about it. And here are the things he said to me. I'm just not a fanatic about it like you guys. Uh, I don't go crazy with it. Years ago when we were building uh, the new fellowship hall across the way, while they were building it, it the, the workers were inside doing the inside part. And, and it was winter. They, had a, they even had a, one of those blow heaters going in, in there. And once in a while, I would take over to them a big cookie sheet of donuts. I would go in and I would try to have conversation and relationship with each one, giving them, offering them a donut. Uh, took over uh, a large pot of coffee for them. It was very cold. And, uh, and when I left, when I left there, the one fella said to the other, he was overheard, uh, he was overheard saying, there's something wrong with him. <laughs> and the fella to defend me said, yeah. He lets Jesus rule his life. There is something wrong with me. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't go crazy with it. Well, I think the crazier you get with, the better off you're going to be. The more room you give him, the better off you're going to be. There, there was a, a third type of person. This is a person that is a I'm not mine person. I'm not mine person. He's a complete sellout. He's not just, a, not just giving a room, but he gives the whole house to Jesus, the whole life to Jesus. So he's a person that would be, I'm just not mine. One of the, one of the young girls in my youth group, 16 years old, on a date, she uh, was out with a, probably a non-Christian boy who claimed to be, and he wanted to park. And she said, oh, okay, if the guy in the back seat says okay. Who's in the back seat? And she said, oh, everywhere I go, I take Jesus. This is not mine to give away, she said. It's his. I gave my body and my future to him. I'm not mine. There's a wonderful passage of scripture found in 1 Corinthians. 
What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is inside you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You were, somebody get this thing to work. When Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, well, Jesus knocks on the door of, your, of, your, of the inn and he can't get in. But when Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts, will we say, did we say, sorry, no room. No room in my life, no room in my heart. But you can have my stable. That's a, that's a good deal, isn't it? You can have my stable. That's what many, many so-called Christians, and I hope it's enough. I do. I hope it's enough. I lean toward this, this whole body thing, belonging to him. And I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and I get forgiveness. But I lean toward with the fact of giving our whole life, our whole life and uh, future to God. Letting him, being a complete sellout. You can have my stable or you can have the whole house. I encourage you with that. Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door. Jesus is speaking. I stand at the door of your hearts and I knock. Let me in. He knows your life. He knows, he knows your circumstances. He, he knows your problems. And not only that, he knows your future. He knows what's around the corner and what's going to happen. And oh, how much easier life would be if you had him at your side going through it. Some of you, some of you are going through hard stuff right now. Some of you, everything's fine right now. But next week, next month, next year, you just don't know what's there, what's coming. Wouldn't it be better to have the God of glory at your side? What did he say? Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. I will sup, have have dinner with him and he with me. I always like that last part. Isn't it amazing that he loves you so much that you are so worthy to want the, to have the God of glory want to live inside your life and heart and want to help you as well. He's amazing. He's amazing. For, for the lukewarmers here, for the stable owners here, I just want you to say, I just want to say, you're missing out on so much. Oh, you're missing out on so much. Remind you that there are three types of people. There are those who don't give an answer. They're not interested. No room for Jesus some have a partial answer. Sure, I don't have room, but you can have my stable. 
You can have the corner of my life, but just don't ask too much of me. Whatever you ask of me, it's too much. Too much. Some not interested. But there are those who have that partial answer. And then there is the complete sellout. Oh, oh, you and I and all of society, we are really sold out to Christmas. We're really sold out. I don't know what percentage of our paycheck this month has gone to presents and gifts and candies. And Where's Bonnie? Hi. Oh, I... She treats me very well at Christmas. We're sold out. I can't wait for, for Christmas morning. Uh... But are we sold out to Christ? We're sold out. Oh, I, I even, I've still got one more gift to buy her. A brand new Toyota. <laughs> oh, you don't want it? You heard me ask. You heard me offer. Wow. Be a complete sellout. Listen. The innkeeper. Oh, if he would have known. If he would have had somebody warning him ahead of time. Look at the opportunity he lost. And then look at the opportunity you're losing by being a no-roomer, by being a partial, giving him just a part of your life. And I want you to know there is no one here who's a complete sellout. No one perfect. Being a sellout doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're trying. But there is no one here that is a sellout that ever regrets it. Oh, having the sweet presence of God with you good, through the good and bad times. No one ever regretted. I've been to many funerals Hundreds by now, 40 years of ministry. I've never seen, I've never seen a, a man about to die say, oh, I'm so, uh, I'm so sorry for living a good Christian life. No one has ever said that. Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't drink more beer or watch more bad shows or do this. I, I'm so sorry that I didn't. No. When you're about to meet your eternity, you have regrets for not serving the Lord better than you have. I throw that out to you. I want you to be a complete sellout. I want you to see what opportunities you're missing. That little boy, you can have my room. They go on and talk about how that just destroyed the whole play. No one knew what to do with that. Joseph looked over at, at the teacher. He just gave me his room. Now what do I do? He's supposed to say you can have the stable in the back. I don't think 
I don't think Jesus minded the stable. And for some of us, for some of us, it just reminds us of who he is and how much he cares for us. Oh, and he does. And he's got so many wonderful things for us. Again, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice, not letting it go in one ear and out the other, but if any man will hear and accept and receive my word and open the door of his heart, I will come into him, I will sup with him, and he with me. So, Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart. Is there room in your heart, in your life, for Jesus? And maybe a question to to talk about this afternoon. Do you have room in your Christmas for Jesus? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus Christ, you're so great and wonderful. You're so loving and kind. You came to earth because we needed a Savior. You left the earth, Lord, because we needed a Holy Spirit to individually be in our hearts and lives. And you're coming back. Oh, I can't wait. But Lord, right now, there are those here that if you were to come back, they would be totally shocked and surprised. There are those here, Lord, that up to now have never realized that they have no room, that their life is too busy and maybe even fulfilled without you in their life. There are those here, Lord, that they just don't want to be a fanatic. They don't want to be a sellout. But maybe today the Holy Spirit has knocked on their heart and said, let me come in. I want to live there with you. I want to be with you through it all. The ups and the downs of life. If there is someone here this morning that doesn't know for sure that should they die today, they would go to heaven or hell. But they want to know for sure. They are now ready to receive Jesus Christ into the door of their heart. If there's anyone like that, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm I'm going to help you. Right there in the pew, between you and God, He is listening to you. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. You can say it silently, but say it with all your heart to God. You would say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I know the penalty for my sin is that I have to go to hell. But I know on the cross, you paid my penalty. 
Jesus, forgive me. With your help and power, I want to turn my life over to you. Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior and be my Lord. Right now, today, come into my life. Come through my door. You're knocking. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Now, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and meant it, you meant it with all your heart, would you raise your hand very quickly that I might see you? Is there anyone? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Any other hands? Lord Jesus, I offer to them you as a gift, their gift. They've just unwrapped it. There is so much, Lord, for them to learn. So much, Lord, for them to go through yet, Lord, but with you at their side. At their side, Lord, through, through the, the worst of it, through the best of it. Lord, for others here that might say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fanatic, but maybe now you know you should be sold out to him. Take a moment, take a moment to give to Jesus all your life, all your problems, to give it to him. I give it to you, Lord. I give this to you and that to you, Lord. The problems of my life I give to you. The problems of next week or next month we give to you, Lord. And for all of us here, Lord Jesus, we've been awakened to the knocking on the door to keep you in our Christmas. Thank you, Lord, for coming to save us. In Jesus' name.